In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an insanely awesome, beautiful, just, oh, she's amazing, just send you with me. How are you? Really good. Happy to be with you and chatting. Such an honor to have you, Jasenia. For those of you who don't know Jasenia, she is just like, I like incredible isn't even the words. New England psychic medium, just outstanding person and just has an incredible story and just incredibly, incredibly gifted. I'm just so grateful to have her here today. Jasenia, thank you once, once again. Seriously, it's such an honor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just excited to chat. Yes, I'm so excited to chat about you and your story and your awesomeness. And, you know, like I, I kind of lead it off with the first question of being, what is it that inspired you on your road to where you are today? So what inspired your journey? Which I know is a very loaded question, but we'll start with that <laughs> and kind of rock and roll from there. My business is currently Soul Architect Jasenia, right? So I'm like a global psychic medium and I help people work through their traumas. I read people globally. I help people activate their gifts. I'm a published author. But honestly, it still feels like strange to say those things because like my life wasn't always that way, right? I had to work through a lot of things to get where I am on top of, you know, the traumas and struggles and poverty and homelessness and, you know, abuse and sexual abuse. You know, you go through all these things. And I think that Sometimes during that journey, you just really can't fathom like what you're capable of with the healing in the end, end game, you know? So it's pretty fascinating. Like I still have a hard time grasping where life has brought me, you know? I love my job. I love what I do. But as, especially as a sensitive, you know, going through all of those negative things, it was just really difficult, you know, being a child, super sensitive, feeling everyone's emotions having like supercharged environments. It was a lot to work through. And now I just can't believe I'm like sitting here using it for positive things in positive ways. So that's really what inspires me to teach other people, you know, to continue empowering other people, getting them into their gifts and their purpose. I love that, Jasenia. I love that. And in terms of your journeys, you mentioned there was a lot of trauma that you overcame as a child. And the reason I bring this up is because I know that there's people listening that either have gone through it or they know somebody who's going through it and it's what did you face and how did you sort of navigate past that and kind of walk me through that journey a little bit of how you evolved because now you're just at such a high level of empowering literally the globe and it's like when you mention things like homelessness and different things like that you just looking at you now you would just never think that that's what you've gone through you know because you're just like so open so loving so and then you're helping other people through it so walk me through how that I mean, it's true. I uh, Sometimes I feel like it was a different version of me because like I don't spend a lot of time in the past. You know, I've heared, healed it, cleared it and help other people from it. And sometimes it does feel like a different version of me. But I was born into a house 
with um, where my parents struggled with addiction. My father was a dealer and an addict and very abusive because of his addiction and his lifestyle. We were exposed to a lot of really dangerous, scary people who would come into the house and continue abusing us and taking advantage of us for money or for drugs or for whatever reason. My grandparents, um, unfortunately, were very similar. They had struggled with a lot of the same patterns. They had patterns of abuse and rape and poverty in their childhood that they had to overcome in Puerto Rico. And that continued with my mother. I mean, you choose your partners because they reflect some form of normalcy you've carried on, right? So she chose my father because it reflected her own past and it made sense to her. And we struggled in that type of reality until my mother pretty much got to a point in her life where she realized she didn't want this anymore for herself or her children. And we fled. So one night she filled up a bunch of trash bags and we ran to, he actually got arrested for some drug issues. And we ran to a church, a local church where we had slept in a bathroom on the floor for a couple of days until we were able to get a shelter somewhere. And it wasn't the end of it, unfortunately, you know, because the pattern doesn't stop until we heal. So as much as my mother wanted out, she still had a lot of stuff to heal from. She had been through, you know, 20 something years of pain and suffering, and it doesn't happen instantaneously. So she kept attracting a lot of people that were the same. And we kept being exposed to a lot of people that were the same. We had a poverty block in our family. You know, when you're raised that way with nothing, it's very hard to accept anything, to accept help or finances or support or think you're worthy of it. So there were a lot of things that she repeated, that she continued and carried on from. Most of our life, she was a single parent and she had to work multiple jobs to support us. She had three children. So we ended up kind of having to raise ourselves. I ended up getting my first job at eight. I would go work downstairs from our apartment building and like cut keys for the locksmith. And she taught me how to break into people's houses. <laughs> thought it was such a cool trick. <laughs> she had little puppies I would go help her take care of. She'd bring us to her house to help her clean up and stuff. Her name was Nancy. And then I'd take the money and I'd actually go to the McDonald's dollar menu and I'd buy my siblings food because we didn't have food. We didn't have anything. You know, she was a single mother and we struggled to pay for anything. Life was just really hard. I remember I started making enough money to buy clothes and I thought it was so exciting because like I could have new clothes and I wouldn't have to wear stuff we got at, you know, shelters or like donation centers. And I was just so excited to have something that like fit me, something I chose. But the cycle continued in my own life where, you know, I couldn't escape it. And I grew up and I faced more patterns of abuse, more patterns in bad relationships, more patterns of trauma. I was an early mother. I had graduated high school with my baby by my side when she was two months old. And it, it continued and continued and continued until I was 25 years old. That was the time where I just knew I couldn't do this to my children. You know, I knew I needed out. I knew that this wasn't something I wanted for them. I actually started classes in psychology. And to me, that broke a lot of my belief systems, a lot of my limitations, a lot of my patterns kind of like came to light in ways I've never understood them before. When you're raised in the type of pattern I was raised in, Love is not existent. You don't experience that divine, nurturing, 
compassionate existence of, you know, somebody else nurturing and taking care of you and being there for you. We raised ourselves. My mother did her best. She just worked so hard that you can't be a single mother of three kids and pay the bills and, you know, still be there full time, right? You can't be 10 people at the same time. So there was a lot of wounds there where I didn't realize I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't know how to accept my body. I didn't know how to protect myself. I didn't know how to say no. I had been sexually groomed my whole life. So like I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have protective barriers. I was always kind of choosing really difficult and horrible things for myself because I just didn't know how to say no to it. You know, Mm. when you live in that pattern, you're taught you don't say no to those things. You don't have a right. You don't have will. You don't have decision or choice. It wasn't until I started prying up my own thought pattern that I just started breaking through belief system and belief system and belief system. And all of a sudden, I remember one day I was just like, this is my responsibility. I've chosen this and I'm deciding not to choose it anymore. And I packed up and I left. I fled even. It was not a happy departure. It was not like well-planned. I just fled and I thought anything is better than this. Like my children deserve the chance to break free of this pattern. At that point, the pattern had been six, seven generations deep. Like it wasn't new to me. It wasn't new to my mother. It wasn't new to my grandparents. It wasn't new to their parents. And that's also what helped me heal. You know, digging deep into the psychological pattern and its origins, I think is really powerful because a lot of people in my type of situation get stuck on the blame aspect. Mm -hmm. But you can't blame someone born into the pattern. You can't blame someone when it's all that they know. If you have not had the courage to walk away from it yourself, to grow from it yourself, to forgive, then you can't blame them for not having the courage to do that either, right? Right. So I think that that was a major moment for me where I stopped kind of becoming the victim of my story and I started becoming the writer. And I was like, I choose what happens in my life and I'm going to choose good things for my children because they deserve the best. And so I decided, you know, I was going to take off and I became a single parent and I was doing my thing. And I truly in my mind was just like, I'll be single till they're 20 and I'll still be a young mother. I'll still be 40 years old and I'll have plenty of time to date. I'll meet the right man. We'll travel the world. I really, truly believe this. At that point, I had been really so disappointed by relationships and people that I thought I would be single forever happily. I was like, I'll just get lots of dogs. <laughs> so life never works that way, ever. I continued my healing. I continued my journey. And my cousin was actually, he'd always come around to check on me because he wanted to make sure that I was safe. And I adore him. He's like a brother to me. And he'd always bring his like dumb friend around. And I was like, your friend doesn't need to be here. You know, like, I don't even know this guy. This is my home. And my children live here. And then a couple months passed and he's like, you know, you've known him for like four years. And I'm like, no, I haven't. I've never seen this guy. And he's like, he's been to your house multiple times. And you invited him to the party. And I was like, I don't remember him. (laughs) So I guess the guy had been around a long time. And he had been in the house and he had known my whole entire family. He'd known my mother, my aunt, my cousin for years and years. And I just never paid attention because I was in such a bad place. Like the world was not clicking with me like I was just trying to survive I literally did not notice someone was in my house like that's how wild it was and I was like oh I'm really sorry like my defenses came down for a moment I was like sorry to be so rude I just I didn't know like I I don't remember I don't remember what that was like 
a couple months passed by and my cousin's like, well, he's kind of also had a crush on you for like ever. (laughs) I don't care. Like, I don't want anything to do with anybody. And so I told my cousin and I was like, we could be friends. That's fine. And we'll just stay friends. Because the last thing I want is another dude in my life. And obviously, we were not just friends. We got along really well. He was so kind, so compassionate, so patient. I realized I was not attracted to him because he was not the pattern. And it was really hard for me to accept him for being patient and kind and honest and like real with me. And like he wouldn't argue. He wouldn't raise his voice to me. He loved my kids. He'd play with them and hang out with them. And we were just friends. And he was here visiting with my cousin. I was realizing the pattern was already shifting. This is not the kind of person I'm used to. This is not the kind of person I'm used to accepting in my life. So it was a big transformational point for me. But I think the coolest thing that happened was he's obsessed with the paranormal. So to make him happy... I actually took him to some of his favorite places. That was some of our first dates. He had always wanted to stay at the Lizzie Borden house. Have you ever heard of that one? Mm -hmm. The story, Lizzie Borden had an ax, gave her father 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her mother 41. So she hacked her parents to death in a house in Fall River. So he'd always wanted to go and stay the night because it was like on his bucket list. And I didn't care about the paranormal. Honestly, I had been to so many psychics and mediums and classes and things and they did not resonate. They did not click with me. I did not like them. Nobody could give me anything of value. Nobody could tell me anything about myself. I didn't already know. It was very lackluster, like no details emerged. And I had been frustrated with the whole thing. And I was like, maybe none of it's really true, right? So I was totally for visiting a really haunted place where people hack people because I really was like, what else could happen? You know, it's fine. We go to the place and I guess that's really when everything changed for me because there were spirits and dead people everywhere, but also everything I was seeing, hearing and knowing was confirmed by the tour guide. You know, when I saw strange details about her life or when she came through and spoke to me, And then he would tell the story like right after, or she'd be like, I hate when he tells this version of the story. Then he would start the version of the story that she hated where like she was not the killer. And she was like, I hate this version of the story because I absolutely did it. And I'm tired of him talking down on me and treating me like I was incapable of doing that. I had a good reason. So like, then she tells me about her sexual abuse and what she faced and how hard it was for her to be in a home with such a controlling, abusive father. And like, she just snapped. She just snapped one day and she like had it. And she said she would never involve her sister because her sister was too delicate is how she put it. So she attacked when her sister was out of the house on a trip. Like she had encouraged her sister to go take a trip and she knew it was going to be the time because she had had enough of his garbage and his abuse. But she also wasn't going to let her abusive stepmother take the money. So she decided to do it the way that she did so that she would get the money after they were killed and dead, which meant the stepmother had to die first and the father had to die next. Or the money would legally go to her and then her family. And she was proven to be killed second. So it was really interesting because here I know nothing about this story. I'm not even from this area. Like, I don't know anything about the paranormal. And I'm like, all of this stuff is coming through. There's little children running up and down the hallway. And they're poking my back and touching me and asking me to play with them. And I was like, 
why are there children here? Like, do children die here? Why are children everywhere? And then all of a sudden, the guy's like, a lot of people see children here, and we think it's because they drowned in a house, two houses over, and like, they're attracted to the energy. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, you see, when as much as I have seen this before and felt this before, and had seen spirit everywhere. This was the first time I had those things confirmed directly in my face instantaneously. On top of that, like it was the first time I realized not everybody could see these things. So not only like these were two things I was completely unaware of. One of my gifts is telepathy, which means that like when I see a haunting, I can tell it to go F off inside and it leaves me alone. So honestly, I'm seeing and talking to something internally and people don't understand that on the outside i thought everybody functioned like that internally like everybody just sees spirit walking around and it was like a normal way of being and i didn't realize it was any different so then i realized for the first time you know i couldn't sleep i was really irritable these things kept bothering me they were everywhere they were watching us like one of them kept playing with my hair and i was just like i can't do this i can't sleep this is really irking me and i nudged Mark awake and uh he I was like how can you sleep they're everywhere and he's just like this is literally just a really badly decorated room for me like I don't see anything I don't hear anything nobody's bothering me he goes let me sleep (laughs) so like he passes out and I stayed up all night and at seven o'clock in the morning I just sat in the car and waited for breakfast (laughs) and then I ate breakfast and we fled Like I was so tired, so exhausted, so irritated, but there was this huge awareness that day. Like I have gifts. They're very powerful gifts. They're accurate. I see things like something is going on. Right. And that's actually when my spiritual journey really truly began because then I was started, like I looked for answers everywhere and I was working so hard trying to discover like what it was I was supposed to do with this, who I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to accomplish with it. And like my healing took a whole different level. And now we're doing like intense intergenerational blockages and past life clearings and, you know, energetic rebuilding and all of these really intense, deep levels of healing that I think the world really needs right now. So it's just like, you know, every every year we get a whole new level of what it is to heal. And we're always on this journey of like repair, reconstruct, heal and amplify. And to me, I always feel, I truly, truly believe that healing will always be the best form of manifestation, the best form of wealth, the best form of growth, because we truly don't know what we're worth or what we're capable of until we've combated those patterns, until we've broken them down, until we see ourselves for who we truly are. And if you were to ask you know, five-year-old me, what I think I'm capable of, or what I wanted to manifest or wanted what I want to pull forward, it would have been totally limited compared to like where my mindset was, what I had been exposed to, the traumas I had faced, right? It might be something as simple as just getting out of here, you know? And now with all of this work, with all this healing, with all the self-discovery, with now knowing my soul and my purpose here and like my gifts and goals, my manifestation is like, intense it's like all the way up here like I'm not going to stop until it's done you know I'm not going to stop to like accomplish those things and they're different it's a different variety of goals I love that Jacinda there's so many things in your story that I definitely want to touch on because I think it's incredible incredible stuff question for you though so when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up when I was a kid it sounds really corny I swear but I swear to goodness it's true my mother 
would attest to it. And she's not a liar, but when I was a kid, I had a weird obsession with trying to heal the world. Like I really thought that someday I'd be able to feed all the hungry people, house all the homeless people, help all the abused, like help everybody find peace. And I think that it was like the one thing that gave me hope when I was facing some real bad darkness, you know? And there's so many times, even as a child, where I had experienced the kindness and generosity of strangers. If it wasn't for those programs put in place to take us off the street and give us food and clothes, we would have died, you know? So to me, it's really, truly understanding the power of compassion. And I remember every time we were at a place like that, like a food bank or getting donations. And I thought like, I would love to help people this way. I, my goal is to be that person helping people, not to need help, you know? And um, to me, that was like the most empowering thing I could be at that moment. But I mean, my goals are still really similar. It's just that they've kind of grown into like an actual global platform with a system, <laughs> you know, it's still the same idea, but I still believe I can do it somehow. I love that. I love that. And it's so funny because everyone that I interview, and I ask them that question all the time. I just want to know if it's correlated and it is like 99% correlated. Yeah. <laughs> in Insane. And I, I just, I love that. I love that because it's come full circle. It's absolutely come full circle. And you mentioned throughout your story that you were discovering these patterns, right? So say somebody's listening right now and they're caught in this ritual and this programming and this mindset, or, you know, like, like you were mentioning with the intergenerational patterns that is something that you're born into. And it's really hard to break from like these generational curses as they call them now. Right. Yeah. How do you break free from those patterns? First off, how do you become aware of those patterns? And mm -hmm. then second off, how do you break free from them and transform? Cause also say you have family that are still in that pattern and you're still around them. Like, how do you, <laughs> so there's all these yeah. questions of how you propel forward the way that you did. Well, it's hard. <laughs> every, every specific pattern is different. So I think it depends on the pattern, how we move through it. But for example, I think relationships are a really good example because most of us naturally repeat the relationship structure we grew up with. Mm -hmm. So if you are a male, you need some type of male influence in your life to teach you like what does a guy do? What is their responsibility in the house? How do they parent? It's just a natural form of relation. You will obviously still learn things from your mother, but it helps us build our identity psychologically as young children. You know, we need something to repeat, reflect, like grow off of. So in many ways, we just start there, right? We start those patterns very, very early on, simply just like existing in that space, absorbing it. I think the real program comes from not realizing that there is another way. We grow up with this. We have to face it every single day. We see it every single day. It becomes such a normal part of our brain, our functioning, our reaction, our mindset, our expectations that we literally do not believe there is another way. And a lot of people get mad about social media being so big or the internet or all these things and even TV. But spiritually, when we're talking about these generational patterns, those things have all actually been blessings to us. And I'll explain. If you go back two or three generations, they had none of that influence. 
So your pattern stayed your pattern until somebody came and literally shattered that for you. And it was very, very rare because we don't have the internet. We don't have outside influence. So if you're stuck in this pattern and mindset, there's very little outside force telling you it could be different. You could attract different. You could change. With this influx of, you know, internet and interconnection and, you know, media exposure, I remember watching TV as a child and thinking there's no such thing as love because the only love I've seen is toxic, abusive, dangerous, or fake. Because to me, the TV was so fake that I was like, it's unobtainable. But what it did for me is it created something that I could grasp at or look forward to or question or have hope in. And for me, that one tiny bit of hope actually encouraged me to look for it, even if I didn't understand it or believe in it. Do you know what I mean? Like that sense of maybe it's possible if they've created it, if they've invented it, if they can act it somewhere, it might be obtainable, it might be possible somewhere, I might be able to develop that myself. If I did not have TV, I wouldn't have that outer exposure. Now that's how the physical mind works. We know what we are exposed to. It's a program that we carry. So if we have this generational pattern, our our great grandparents did it, our parents did it, that's what they know how to accept. It's what they attract. It's what we learn to attract. If there's no outside influence, then the pattern continues repeating. With that outside influence, we're able to see something else. And then we're able to question our pattern. We can say, do I want that? Is this normal to me? You know, we start thinking about it. We start thinking about, well, it is kind of gross that like we're always screaming and yelling, but like on TV, they have a normal discussion. Do people really talk like that? Do people have those types of discussions? I want to know what that's like. We start looking for it. We start observing and seeking. And in observation and seeking, we learn new ways of being. And there is a new pattern, a new program, and then we can therefore break it. But it is a total mind game because we don't brains like a limiting program. We look at our brains like uh, some of us don't even look at our brains, right? We just like learn and grow and try to get school and make the grades and like accomplish the things, right? We don't ever really look at our mindset, but that's really how it begins. It has to happen with some outside influence where we're challenging our belief system, where we're challenging our thought patterns. I think after the first one, it's almost like a high. You're like looking for more. You're like, what else can I break? (laughs) You're just like always looking for more things you can better and master and grow out of and kind of evolve through. But that's really how it happens. I mean, just the, the process of observing something different. Now, it's not as easy as just observing and deciding you want change, right? As much as I wanted change, I still had a lot of toxic responses that I had to retrain. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I wanted change. I had accepted change. I had chosen a partner who was different this time, but I was not responding different. I was responding the same. I was responding with distrust. I was responding with jealousy, anger, with control, the things I had seen in my past. So It's more than just finding the pattern. We have a bunch of, I call micro behaviors associated with the pattern, right? I, instead of spitting venom at them, would have to go into myself and be like, why on earth would I talk to somebody like that? That's not who I want to be. And I would have to go back to the beginning. Like, who talked to me like that? Where did I learn these things? And how do I change that? How do I heal it? How do I rework it? And it comes with patience. I remember one of my things was explosive reaction. I grew up in survival. I grew up in violence. It was like, 
everybody was always fighting and everybody was always just trying to defend themselves. We didn't even know how to communicate. It was just like, yell your opinion across the room. If you're heard, you're heard. If you're not, you're not loud enough. And that's just like, I think it's part of this culture in many ways to just be loud and heard. But it was very toxic in our family. Like we were using it in a very toxic, violent way where it was like the loudest person is the only person who matters and everybody else just like either gives in so we had a lot of really hot-headed people kind of leading and pulling the ropes. They're just violent in every way. And I remember recognizing the pattern in myself because you're always going to repeat the pattern one of two ways. You're either that person or you either learn to take abuse from someone like that, right? So I had had plenty of situations where I was a victim to a hothead because I thought it was normal. So I let them verbally abuse me, mentally abuse me, and I stayed silent. Then when that wasn't an issue anymore, I became the flip side. So like when my husband was no longer verbally, you know, they weren't verbally or mentally abusing me, I became that person because that's all that made sense to me. So I found myself, you know, snapping back, being distrusting, being jealous, not knowing how to trust. And I had to reprogram those. I had to dig really deep and stop myself. And I think one of the major ways, like it happens in a lot of really simple ways. And I think that's where people get discouraged. They're like, well, I can't just change who I am. But we pick one thing and we work on one thing. So like, my first thing was stop being angry, explosive, like walk away, walk away and think about it. So instead of reacting, I would force myself to walk away. I'd go for a walk. I'd go for a hike. I would take a shower. I'd change my clothes. Whatever it is that made me feel better, go for a ride. I'd sit with it until it no longer made me angry. And then I would explain how I felt when I was not angry, right? And I found like it was so hard at first, you know, to sometimes it took like days before I was at a place where I was no longer angry and able to communicate what I actually felt. But now it's like instantaneous. So you train it over time, but it can be something as simple as just like walking away, right? So it's a bunch of baby steps. It's not like, oh, you go from like trauma to healed in a night. No, it's not like that at all. It is, there's a million, million baby steps that come into play. And I'm still finding patterns that I work through. I'm still working on myself. I'm still clearing past life stuff. Like it's never truly done. I mean, our life is all an experience, right? Some experiences are better than others. And we're always going to have to clear new experiences. So as long as we're living, we're healing. So I'm still in the process. I love that you touched on a little bit on past lives and people who listening, you may believe in this and you may not. However, you have lived an average of how many lives to send you? A soul incarnated here on earth has lived how many roughly? Just too much. Most people on earth actually have about 300 to 700 incarnations. And those could be animal and human. Most people are currently at that time and place. Right. Those lives before, you don't know anything about when you're here. And those can still hurt you. But you react with them. Right. So they become a part of our natural behavior structure. So like I said, we are usually our own ancestors too. And that actually helps us clear karmic debts. So if we are the grandparent that has been very abusive to their partner and showed abuse and repeated abuse because we were taught abuse, we still carry negative debts from that. To pay those back, it's easier to just come into the same family because the trauma you created still exists there. So many times we actually incarnate into the same family over and over and over again because it helps us clear that debt. And then we break the gen. That's why they call it a generational curse because when you break one generation, you actually heal them all because you're interconnected. 
So it's a final karmic wipeout. You know, it's like we finally figured it out. We're we're done with this. We're not moving back. We're not going back to that pattern. It's fascinating to me because I'll, I'll be honest, I get people all the time that are like, I don't know if it's true. You could just be making it up. Like, let's see what you got. And honestly, like, I'll just, I don't know anything about somebody. Sometimes I don't even have a photo of this person. People book online. I never meet them in person. All I get is their birth name birth date, birthplace. And I go into it. I go into what they call the Akashic records, which is their soul level records. And I can start pulling up. I focus on the most traumatic lives because to me, those are the ones that give us the most healing. So I will pull up the life and, you know, it's this, 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 and that. I go through it. I heal it. I clear it. I give them patterns to work through like we just did about mine, you know, and I give it, it's all catered to them. And then I deliver and they're like, you couldn't have made that up because there's a million things that overlapped in this life. Like I was adopted. I'm still adopted. Like my father left. My father still left. I struggle with self-esteem. I still struggle with self-esteem. I had a horrible poisoning. I still have horrible indigestion and stomach and bowel issues. Like they align so intricately that it's really difficult to deny that that existed somewhere in your life. Or for example, we have this crazy fear of like, falling or water or bridges or something. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I fell in the water off a bridge. And like, it was a really horrible experience, but I didn't know that about you. I didn't ask about those things. Right. So I think the proof speaks for itself. And then people are kind of mind blown into like, wow, my trauma goes way beyond this life. And I think that's really the secret on earth. Honestly, like, think about it. If we have, like I said earlier, 300 to 700 lives, and none of us recognize the pattern of rebuilding or clearing trauma, and none of us can see those experiences in totality and clear them. That is why we're lost. That is why we're stuck. That is why we're suffering here. That is why we're disconnected to our gifts and our power. That is why we have a hard time seeing and feeling direction. That is why we get stuck. So to me, it's the answer. Like, I just can't imagine doing anything positive in life without having that kind of basis, like cleared and understood, you know, um, it happens at the root. I would say I don't like I'm not the kind of psychic medium that's going to like talk about the surface of the fluff. Like I go deep into the root, the pattern, and I break it all up, write it all out, make it as clear as day. You know, we create the map. So. um It's just to me, it's just too profound to skip. You know, that's my purpose here. So I stick to it. That's incredible. Anyone who's listening, that's just like mind blown by this. Yes, yes, you do have past lives. If you believe in it, (laughs) I mean, it's just, I mean, I've done- Everybody's entitled to their belief system. Not here to fight anybody. (laughs) Of Of course, but if you're open to it, it's really incredible what you can learn. And I mean, I've done this personally with you, Jacenia, so I know how powerful- the process is and to really understand like where does this anxiety come from where does this restlessness come from like what why am i having these issues but and it's and it's so deeply embedded that we just don't see it but once we clear that we're able to be more energetically open and can go towards our purpose but if we're carrying all these negative emotions this anger and all these things and everything that's kept inside how can you ever advance, not just in your career, but in your relationships, in your friendships, and in, in anything and everything life, right? You can't. Absolutely. I 100% agree with it. Because, you know, I just see it every single day. Like the results speak for themselves. If I didn't get the results I did with people, I would not put this much time into something, <laughs> you know? But 
I mean, I also think the world's ready for it, honestly. I when we look back at the history of the world, unfortunately, right, so many pe- so many gifted people have been slaughtered. We they have been killed. And to me it was one of my biggest fears when I was opening up. I remember going to my mom and being like, I think I have gifts. She's like, I've been telling you. And I'm like, I thought you mean gifted like special mom. Like I didn't think you meant like spirit stuff and she was like oh just sunny and I was like I'm so scared like I can't tell people I can't come out and she goes what are you talking about she's like what a time to be gifted the world is a different place now nobody's gonna burn you at the stake she's like stop being a coward I was like I was like oh yeah you're right (laughs) and that's when I started realizing like oh how about those past lives how about all the times I've been burned or killed you know that's why we have that fear so like Mm-hmm. I always say all emotion is valid. If you're scared of something, there's a reason. If something makes you happy, there's a reason. If you're hesitant about something, there's a reason. And if it's not in this life, it's in a past life. And when I pull them up, you see them. You finally are able to justify it and then heal it. We can't heal what we don't recognize. We can't heal what we've never seen or don't understand. So that's the major key. To me, that's like a, literally the freedom, like to unlock yourself and explore new avenues and continue the repair process and just be whoever the hell we want to be in this life, right? And it's just been an amazing journey. Like I can't imagine what life would be without stepping out, without doing my thing, without following my guidance, without being guided. Yeah. And and I was going to ask you too, you know, after you transitioned, after you learned about your gifts at the Lizzie Borden house and how you kind of ran, ran away, you're like, ah! what was the process in like really sitting down you mentioned you touched on it a little bit just now with your mom but you know starting up as an entrepreneur in that realm first off starting a business is hard enough but then this type of business is a a a bit more challenging to begin because as you said people are doubtful people are you know so so how did you sort of start and how did you navigate because now I mean, you're global and you're only going to continue to grow so much more, so much more. So that that would be awesome to, to hear that. So at the time, so remember I left the ex and I was, you know, out of the pattern. And so I actually owned my own business at 21. I had a daycare I would run for my house because that allowed me to take care of my kids. And that was like the most important thing to me. So I was able to pay the bills while taking care of my children. And that is when all of this was occurring. So like, I was just, I I always knew I was using something when I was working with these kids, because I always knew something about them without them telling me something about them. Like we were communicating on levels that I couldn't really comprehend. And people would always be like, why are you so good at, you know, why do you get them like that? Why do you understand them like that? And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just like a mom. Don't all moms do that? They were like, I'm their mom. And I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know that they were struggling like that or going through that. You know what I mean? Sometimes I could read a child and know what was going on at their house. You know, I could pull up and be like, seems like there's some marital issues, you know, and your kids bringing that trauma home to daycare and they're struggling and they're not sleeping well and they're angry and they're explosive. And it always originated somewhere. So like, I wasn't just dealing with tough kids. I was dealing with kids reflecting trauma and I could see it. And I could feel it. And I knew where it was coming from. So I was able to help the kids. So I started working with foster care kids, DCF kids, and I was able to help them and really, really make them feel loved and safe. And to me, that was like everything. I was so happy in that job. But then I find out 
I'm gifted. I find out I see dead people. I find out there's something else to this. And I'm like, I always knew there was something else. Like I always knew something was there. And I was like, it's, I always explain it. It's like, there's a bubble over you and there's all of this vast information, you know, you know, but you don't know what it is. And you're just sitting there like, let me in. (laughs) Like, I want to know what it is. And that's what I went through for I think it was like a year or two, I hired any and every psychic I could find. I went to any class I could find with my mom. I did every guided meditation I could find. And every single time I hear something and I'd be like, that's not true. That's not how it works. That's not how you connect. That's not what that is. And my mom would be like, I don't know this. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just not right. And then I'd explain it. And she goes, that makes a lot of sense. She's like, why does that make sense? I'm like, I don't know. I just know that it's not right. (laughs) I just like, I keep going with it. And I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I'm like, the answer isn't coming. I'm not finding what I need. Mm -hmm. I was like, I need something deeper. I need to know, like, I need a breakthrough here. And all of a sudden, like, as clear as freaking day, I heard a voice and they were like, you are your answer. You have the information. And I was like, crap. Like, okay, what do I do then? You know? And so I stopped looking for answers and I started looking within and I know everybody kind of says something like that, but here's the thing. My soul is ancient. (laughs) And a lot of people, like even my mother, she got very angry with me because we also, we started this journey together, right? Her and I started the meditation in the classes together. She was by my side and she would be like, how can we do a meditation? And all of a sudden you're in some other dimension and I'm still stuck in this car. (laughs) She'd be be like, how can we go to a class? And you know, all the answers and I still can't figure it out. Like, I don't know. I don't know. So what we do when we connect to spirit is we connect to our spiritual database. My database is very different than my mother's. So when I opened, I opened fast. Like there was tons of stuff that I just had to relearn and absorb. And then kind of integrate with my own physical mind. So like the spiritual integrates with the physical. And I started, um, all of a sudden I had my own system of connection, my own guided meditation, my own guides were coming forward and teaching me protection and clearing and what gifts, how to work them, what they were about spirit. We went as far back as like the origins of the universe, karma, all of these things that came forward. I wrote my own book in 2018. I'm working on my second book. It should be published this year called Creation and Energy. Like I just started learning and listening to myself. And all of these things came from that source, would be the my higher self, my soul. But it also introduced me to my job. So At soul level, some of us have jobs, right? When we are not incarnated, we don't just like wander bored. We always, I always say need for growth is existence. We are always looking for some type of growth and expansion. That's our job at soul level because we are infinite. So we wouldn't just like cease to exist by floating around and doing nothing. My soul level job is something they call Akashic Records Keeping. And it's like life records, it's creation records. So essentially, when I made that connection, I was connecting to my own database, which is why I'm like a spiritual encyclopedia, because I have the spiritual encyclopedia up there somewhere. (laughs) So that's my gift structure. That's my soul database. You know, it's unique to me. We all have the ability to access our own past lives and our own soul database. But the problem is that, again, a lot of us don't recognize it. They're not aware of it. We're so traumatized and 
stuck that we can't op- always open the gate, right? So a lot of my goals with people are helping people access their own energy, their own database, their own information on their own. It's not about like dependence on me. Like I clear, I heal, I show and people do it. You know, I'm like, you're off on your own, do your thing. But it's all possible. We all have that same ability to tap into our own database, to tap into what we already know to be true. It's just about getting there. And I think that's like, you know, that's why I had to go through it on my own so that I could teach people how to do it. Right. But yeah, it was, it's fascinating. I mean, they still like my gifts are always evolving. I tell people gifts are supposed to evolve. If you're at a place where your gifts are not evolving, then it's because you're not listening, right? You're not, you stop listening. And there's nothing wrong with that either. We all have free will. It's not like a place of judgment. Like one person's better than another person. It's not like that at all. It is what we do with it. Some of us don't even know it can evolve. So some of us don't do anything with it. We're just like, sometimes I get psychic visions and I don't always understand why, but I've accepted it as normal and I don't train it because I didn't know I could, right? And I could take that and turn it into like six different gift structures where now they're like using it purposefully to help people, to read people, to dive into futures and support people. I also don't take it personally when people say they don't believe, right? Because to me, if this is all new information, then it means that as a collective, as a whole, psychic mediums have not been very developed. They have not understood fully what they are capable of. Therefore, that's why they're not always accurate. That's why they can't always dig deep enough. That's why they can't always give you the details you're looking for. And to me, that's not like the collective being hesitant is is a natural side effect of that. They go hand in hand. Like we can't be mad at the reaction, right? Right. Globally, that's where we've been. Like we haven't had really developed people come forward and be able to give strong evidence about their messages yet. One of my missions is to hopefully like bridge that gap (laughs) to, you know, merger the two. So we start having, um, we're able to create scientific evidence. Like you can take something super solid, like how someone's deceased loved one looked, behaved and acted from someone who doesn't even know them. And you can create statistical evidence with that. That is my hope. I really hope to be that bridge so that people can begin to believe again and then tap into their own energy again. I love that. It is so powerful. And I love that you created your own system, you channeled it and you created it. It's unique and it's helping shift so many lives, which, oh man, you've shifted mine. That's for sure. So you're amazing. You're amazing. And now with all the awesomeness that you've learned, right? Everything that you've experienced in your life, the traumas, the good stuff, your gifts, everything. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? I don't really know. I'm just really happy that I had hope, you know, I'm just happy I had hope. And if I went back, it would just be to tell them like, I love them. And they did a good job. You know, they made it. I think as a kid struggling like that, there are many, many days I didn't even know I would make it. Many days I didn't even want to, right? When you live in such a really hard world, it's like sometimes it feels easier to just like leave. And I remember being a young child being like, what's the purpose of living if this is what it's like, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that hope really, really saved me. Mm -hmm. And it would be to remind myself, you know, keep that hope alive because you'll get there. You'll figure it out. And Jasenia, in your world now, what are you up to? What's new for the next like, six to 12 months for you? What's what's happening? 
I am in the process of preparing my second book to launch. So it's called Creation. It should be out this summer. I'm still working on my final editing approval, and I'm just really excited about it. It has pretty much everything I know about like spirit and creation. So like the beginning to the now, it does go over self-healing and energy because that is how we make energy happy and healthy, right? So it goes over pretty much everything we talked about here, but in detail and how to do kind of self-help and all that, but also like energy and origins and how it transfers and works. And so we understand our existence better. And I think that's just so important. But also I do classes all the time. I have spiritual development classes, private sessions, group sessions, opening up a couple of events. And then I have psychic development trainings and things. I'm always up to something. I always got stuff going on. I love that. I love it. Now you got to let everyone know where to find you and your amazing self. So all my pages are, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok that I don't really use <laughs> under Soul Architect Jasenia. And my website is my name. So com, And that's N, well, I mean, my whole name, J-E-S-S-E-N-I-A-N-O-Z-Z-O-L-I-L-L-O.com. I love that, Jasenia. I'm so glad that you let everyone know what you're up to and where to find you. Thank you so much for being here today. It was truly an honor. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.